Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. How you be, Daniel? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. How are your Instagram live thingy-wingies going? Uh, they're going pretty well. Let's see. Uh, we had the debt-free guys on last week, and uh, we got Sense and Purpose coming up this week talking about uh, budgeting on Friday. So are These all, like, um, what do you call it? What's the nicknames? The monikers? These are the debt... What did you call them? The debt... Debt-free guys. Debt-free guys. Yeah. And coming up with the... And sense and sense and purpose. Kristen and Stones purpose. is her is her street name. We're the DIY money name. guys, I guess. DIY money. Guys. DIY money guys. Uh, well, that's great, exciting. Uh, make sure you check that out if you're not yet on the Insta page. DIY dot money. That's DIY dot money. Really excited. We have uh, we have done some revamps here in our studio office. We're going to be bringing you some more videos. You know, I tried to bring Daniel out for the videos and. I don't know. I mean, I bring him out once, and then he, he jumps back into his shell. He's got to have the whole, the setup, the background. He's too sexy for this show. Too sexy for this show. So sexy, yeah. <laughs> I think that pretty much covers it. So we have uh, we have been building out the studio. So look for uh, look for some more videos. It'll be exciting. I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, coming to you in the uh, various mediums, I guess, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram, the DIY Tribe. I put up one while I was running this weekend. That was fun. That's talented. Well, I wanted to go into my why. You know, what? what is my why? Because that's my question uh, over there on the Tribe. What is your why? We're talking more psychology. All right, let's jump to the to the phone lines, if you will. We've got a great question today on that note regarding primarily, well, from my vantage point, psychology, but... Uh, let's see what uh, let's see what Daniel says about that. We've got a question from Kenzie coming in from Utah. What do you got, Kenzie? DIY. Hey guys, this is Kenzie from Utah. I am curious what financial takeaways you have gotten from experiencing this coronavirus pandemic, and not only what you've learned through this experience, but then what you're doing differently with your finances because of it. I love your show, guys. Thanks for all the help. Bye. All right. Very interesting question. Right to the top of the queue. We got this one literally like last week. Um, but, you know, it was relevant to the present day. And uh, But I liked it from the standpoint of, of really just a psychological money lesson. Uh, so bumped it right to the top of the queue. Uh, so what do, you, what, do you, uh, what do you say to Kenzie, Daniel? Any crisis, uh, pandemic, recession, depression... Uh, even just personal crises in life uh, tend to sort of change your psychology, change your behavior in some way, shape, or form. It could be very, very minor, um, or it could you know, completely change the way you do things going forward. And really, the jury's still out on the pandemic as far as how much this is going to change consumer behaviors, uh, lessons learned, things of that nature. It's sort of the the way that books have been written and so forth is that when it comes to markets and economies, um, you know, behavior changes for a short period of time. And then as people get further and further away from a crisis, then uh, uh, sort of behavior reverts back to the mean. And uh, we sort of forget the lessons that we've learned. 
And that's what kind of creates the next similar, if you will, crisis. But Kenzie, you were talking really more about sort of on the personal level, uh, things that we've learned and or ways that we've changed things in relation to the pandemic. And, and I would say, um, I think you said in addition or uh, on top of sort of emergency fund, uh, or that that was one of your takeaways about how important an emergency fund is. And, and I would second that particular notion. Um, I think the pandemic has really illustrated the fact that you may not always be able to see uh, when things are coming as far as your emergency fund need goes. And I think on top of that, just the fact of having emergency fund goes is not getting exotic with that emergency fund. So emergency fund is not something that you put in the stock market. Uh, in many cases, it may not even be something that you put in the bond market, something that you leave in, in pretty much liquid cash. Uh, in your savings account, you're not going to get much return on that. Uh, you get about 1% at best right now. Um, and that can change by the time you listen to this episode because banks have been cutting that interest pretty aggressively. Uh, even sort of the top banks that we've talked about, things like Ally and uh, what's, one, what's one you're using? Capital One. Capital One, Ally, Capital One, uh, Marcus by Goldman Sachs. A lot of those high-yield savings accounts have been cutting very aggressively because they can. They can get money cheaper. But I think the importance, what the pandemic has taught us about an emergency savings account is that you need to have that very liquid, very accessible. You need to be able to turn that into cash within a matter of uh, hours or a day if the need arises. And it's, I think, also redefined what an emergency is. So, So typically when we've talked about sort of your emergency savings is, you know, if you lose your job and you needed to survive for a couple months while you looked for another job, uh, it could also be, you know, when a legitimate emergency, unforeseen emergency comes in your life. So that could be a natural disaster. You kind of need to float some money uh, until you're able to fix things or find a place to live temporarily while maybe you fix your house, things of that nature until sort of insurance money kicks in, if you will. Uh, But I think even now with the pandemic, it's kind of redefined what an emergency could be. It could be you know, needing to buy a, a plane ticket or, or go on a trip to go see uh, uh, ailing family uh, in the midst of a pandemic, things of that nature that we maybe wouldn't have thought about as much prior to this. But now we, we kind of have to go, you know, that could legitimately be emergency. I know uh, friends that ha- were working in New York when things sort of started getting crazy and they had to kind of get out of New York and, and go back and live with family because offices shut down and the entire city essentially shut down. There was, you know, very little access to services and, and things of that nature. So um, quite a few people had to abruptly take take trips and, and live remotely uh, from where they, you know, regularly did life and so forth. So it really changed the shape uh, of emergency. I would say another lesson learned uh, would be that the the breadth of that emergency fund needs to increase uh, compared to what a lot of people thought. So uh, it was common knowledge before, maybe about three months, uh, six months on the high end. And now we're seeing numbers as we financially plan for people that, you know, it's more in the six to 12 month range as far as comfort goes for what that emergency fund should be. You know, the ability to really survive for six to 12 months if an emergency really happened. Now, we had a really good question um, on Instagram via Instagram message about how do you calculate that emergency fund? And, uh, you know, the uh, listener was asking, you know, do you take your entire budget and multiply it by that amount of months? Or do you kind of take a a formula of what you really need? And and, uh, the latter being more accurate, you know, taking what you really need to live in your budget, plus a few things that you should have, um, you know, fixed in there. Maybe it's um, savings that you don't want to lose track of or, or get off track on or or maybe some uh, just general replacing clothes and things of that nature that are essential to living but aren't like rent and utilities that you have to pay. And that usually for most people ends up being about 60 to 65% of your budget, maybe 70%. Uh, something in that realm 
of your month-to-month budget times however many months. So I would say the last thing, Kenzie, that personally it sort of was a wake-up call and uh, was a learning uh, lesson was what's really essential as far as subscriptions and entertainment and things that our family enjoys doing. Uh, what are those things that are really essential? Because we're learning uh, that you can have a lot of fun in the backyard or the living room or, or whatever because nothing else was open for quite a while there. Okay, uh, great answer or great thoughts on that. Kenzie, uh, January 1987, I was 10 years old. My family and I traveled to Maui for a 10-day vacation. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, I brought my skateboard. I was a skateboarder, had a Tony Hawk hot pink skateboard. Brought it on the plane, skated around the uh, uh, Hyatt Regency Maui Resort, all the little paths there. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, it was an a- absolutely amazing trip. Fast forward, October 1987, stock market crash, 20-some percent in one day. My father comes home. Uh, not a lot changed in our house immediately. My mother, who had been uh, a broker's wife going back to the early 70s and throughout the recession of the 70s, scraping and sort of clawing to build a business, supporting my father. Uh, She went into a mode uh, that, again, I was not really aware of until it came time to buy winter clothes, and we turned around and picked up, uh, you know, coats from, you know, wasn't at the time a Salvation Army. I've said that before, but it's not that. But like a used clothing store, and again, at 10 years old, if you have children, as I do, when you go from uh, buying the, the best of the best and you know, were in Maui, Hawaii a few months earlier, and I remember my father would bring home lobster and we'd put it on the floor and unsnap the rubber bands and watch them duel. And I mean, we'd have lobster. Du- I mean, it's ridiculous. Fast forward now, we're buying hand-me-down coats for the winter I learned very, very quickly how fast things can change. That really struck a chord with me that I carried on really throughout my entire life. 2000, I'm involved in a technology startup. We are absolutely firing on all cylinders. I'll spare you the incredible story, which there is one. Um, All of a sudden, Around March of 2000, there was an article that was published in Barron's about the top 10 companies that were going to run out of cash. We were not public, so we were not in the press. However, our funding group was heavily invested in one of those companies. Within a matter of days, our second round, actually our bridge loan, which would have been our third round, uh, was basically off the table. And within a month, we were out of money. I lost everything. Uh, I had everything that I had, which was not a lot, was tied up in the business. Um, I was basically levered. Uh, I lost everything, had to move out of my apartment, had to basically hawk a car and find a way to get home, upstate New York, uh, and and uh, start again. I was first and foremost in that scenario, it was my very first experience with personal failure, and again, how quickly things can change. Fast forward in 2007, managing other people's money, building a business, 
something awry in the market, something that I couldn't quite put my finger on. I had spent considerable amount of time training with some of the best in the business, knew something was up, again, didn't have the foresight uh, to you know short it and make a billion dollars, but knew something was up. Also had that unbelievable experience in the past of knowing very full well how quickly things can change instead of allowing that to once again be something that absolutely destroyed my business. We sidestepped it, managed to to sidestep it for our clients. And actually, from the decline of 2008 and nine, that became the foundation of building a business. In fact, wrote to clients just the other day that in 2009, our business, I believe, was up or 2008, when the market was declining, I believe our business was up 45%. So why am I saying all that? I'm saying all that because this was just another reminder for me and our family how quickly things can change. So I guess, you know, in in your question, I thought long and hard about this. I, I don't have another takeaway because... I feel like I'm always the person, and I'm. let me tell you, I am a diehard optimist. I am Mr. Positive. I am always looking at the bright side. But at the end of the day, I, I always enter a conversation, whether it's with friends or family. We're going over 13 minutes in this one, Daniel, sorry. Uh, friends or family, and I'm always like, yeah, but what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? And I feel like every 10 years or so, the what if comes true. And so this is precisely why several years ago, Daniel and I got together and said, we have to do more. We have to do more for the people out there that are trying to figure out how to, to build a financial life, how to get out of debt, how to prepare for something that's coming around the corner that may not be foreseen and and really may not even be on the someone's imagination who would have thought a pandemic an absolute global pandemic 20% unemployment i mean absolutely no way that was no, no one's horizon and yet here we are but the principles remain true the principles of fast cash $1000 making sure why why is $1000 important how about grocery money? How about going like like our family did and saying, oh my goodness, this is not good. We need more supplies. Now, while people were hoarding toilet paper, I bought $500 of frozen meat. I bought bread. I threw it in. I bought pastas. I bought canned goods. Well, guess what? That wasn't in this month's grocery budget, but we had the fast cash to do it. Now, fortunately, and this is not true for so many millions of Americans, but fortunately, at least thus far, our business has continued to remain strong. The paychecks, the, the salary continues to be coming in. But the reality is, I can't tell you how many times I looked at my wife and I said, I am so glad we have no debt and an emergency fund. It gave us incredible peace of mind. Now, if you're out there and you're either in a situation where you're very stressed out. Government's about to take away the $600 additional unemployment benefit. And you are, you are maybe, maybe you're at a job and you're still not making ends meet and you're listening to this going, well, that's good for you, Quint. That's great. But you know what? I'm not in that situation. Well, here's a situation that you're in. You have a choice. 
You can either choose to continue to be a victim during the next issue, the next crisis, because it will come. There's no question. Or you can make a a decision right now, a defined decision that never again, never again will you be in this situation. So Kenzie, I hope that you've learned, you learned about the emergency fund, how important that is, et cetera. But the reality is that if you're listening to this, you're probably our demographic, 30 to 40 years old, maybe even younger. Some of you are 18 to 20. I love it. The reality is you have a very long life. You will see more and more and more challenges. You will see something in 10 years or 15 that you thought no way could that happen. It will come. Be prepared. Be prepared. Follow the tried and true steps. They're not our steps. I mean, we followed them for years. They were probably developed by the guy who wrote The Richest Man in Babylon, which goes back thousands of years. These are basic core principles which will protect you and your family and not make you a slave to debt. And that's the key component. Excellent question, Kenzie. I don't know if I added any color about what I learned. Again, in summary, I learned things are going to happen. They're going to happen. you got to be prepared. It happens. What else you got, Daniel? I think that covers it. Boom. Excellent. Check us out on the Insta, DIY.money. Or if you're not yet there and you are on Facebook, you better join the DIY tribe. I think we crossed 300 people there the other day, which is pretty wild. 300 peeps in the DIY tribe. Oh, yeah. All right. What else we got? Any other things going on? No, that's pretty much it. All right. That's it. All right, friends. Remember, the secret to wealth is very simple. Live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.